0: What's up, guys? Kvostava. Hope you're having a great day. Thank you for tuning in to the State of the Republic podcast. This is Villian Bijev, professional soccer player.
1: Hello, Central Valley soccer fans, and welcome to the State of the Republic. My name is Luis, and today I'm joined by my co-host and co-founder of this podcast, Michael. How are you doing, Mike?
2: I'm doing great, Luis. Hope you're doing well. Super excited for this interview. Uh, uh, this I know you're eager to have this one. Uh, very excited.
1: Yeah. No. The, likewise too. Yeah. I mean, it's it, it's definitely always uh, an interview that we always seek out after, right? As as people might know from our previous podcast, and of course, you know, he was the MVP, and you know, it's not an easy feat to be the MVP of a team, and so definitely was looking forward to. Having him on and now that we have him on, you know, really excited to find out more about this season because as we all know it was was a really different season unlike no other. And so, you know, we'll talk about that there as well. So we'll see what, what he has to say about that. So as promised in the previous podcast episode, joining us today is a Republic fan favorite. We had the chance to see him with the team from 2017 to 2020. He was voted MVP of the 2020 season by Indomitable City Soccer of SB Nation. And here on the podcast, we proudly call him Podcast Magic for the magic that he did during our preseason this year. Billion Bijev, thank you for being on State of the Republic, Billion, How are you doing, man?
0: I am doing great. Thank you guys so much for having me. Um, always a pleasure to talk with you guys ever since uh, we had that Awesome game in preseason after doing the podcast. Uh, I knew we had to make it a tradition and uh love being on and love talking to you guys. I'm doing great, having a good uh start to my off season and looking forward to the future. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah we're,
1: we're, we still need to uh give you that segment too, as, as we mentioned back in the previous podcast that you know we would. So, you know, whenever you want to actually have a segment, we'll we'll give you a, a segment so you could be on more regularly. <laughs>
2: Thoughts with B.J.F.? Oh, well, that would be great. We got to think of like,
0: <laughs> a clever name, something. And
2: well, uh, first off, B.J.F., we we just want to say congratulations on the engagement. There, we uh, we we saw the the photos. That's awesome, man. Um, Sam Werner thinks he's got some jokes there, but uh, Mahoney have your having your back there. I saw that this this afternoon, and I was like, goodness gracious, what is this man doing? But we're super happy for you, man. Congratulations, that's a huge step. Uh, best wishes to you and your fiance.
0: Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, that was super exciting. Um, we had the opportunity to to visit my cousin in Hawaii. They're staying there in a condo. So we had, we were able to stay with them and help save some costs on the trip. So we decided to go and it was kind of the perfect place to do the proposal and everything worked out so well. And Lainey, my fiance was super happy And it was really nice to have my cousin there as well, to be able to record and take videos and pictures of everything. So I'm really glad that worked out well. Yes. Sam making some jokes. I think that was on my, uh, anniversary post. December 1st was our third anniversary. Um, I realized it's all semantics. I, I think I put that in the comments. I didn't put happy third anniversary. I just put happy third to my fiance or something like that. I can't remember exactly what I wrote. And then, Sam trying to be funny, but, but Matt came in with a little bit of reason and logic and helped smooth over
2: the, the joke. Pretty typical, pretty typical of Matt coming in, being the voice of reason.
1: Yeah. Yeah. C- congratulations on that, man. And yeah, no, it was a, it was a perfect way to to do a proposal there. Right. I mean, it, it just doesn't get any better than being in Hawaii and having it all happen there. So that really, really great. So I thought we would get started with this because we actually have new listeners to the pod and maybe some people who maybe don't remember way back to the beginning of 2020 to the first time we interviewed you on our previous podcast. Can you tell us more about how you got into, you know, our favorite sport of soccer?
0: Yeah, I started I started playing soccer when I was five. I was born in Bulgaria where soccer is the national sport. That's the sport everybody plays. It's the sport everybody knows. So when my family moved to the States, naturally, it was the first sport my parents put me in to start playing. And I absolutely fell in love with it, always had kind of a knack for it and just did really well in all my age groups growing up. Um, And that's how I got into soccer. And then as I got older, I realized I was always slightly a level above the competition. And that's what gave me the belief that I could play professionally and kept following my dreams. And one day was able to sign my first professional contract right out of high school and haven't looked back since.
1: Yeah, that's, that's awesome. So, you know, g- going back to your, your beginnings in the sport, you know, we, we know you played with California Odyssey. So c- can you tell those not aware of the Odyssey uh, more about them and how you ended up in that academy?
0: Yeah, California Odyssey is was and still is a club team uh, in central California. They're based in Fresno. Uh, I think I started playing for them when I was 12 or 13 years old, just as a club team. And I think when I was 13 or 14, they got rewarded a development Academy title where they could go to showcases and compete in that league. So when I was 15, I was able to join the RU 16 Academy team. And from 15, 16, 17, 18 years old, um, that's the club I played for. It provided me with all the opportunities to be seen by college scouts and eventually the national team scouts. And through California Odyssey, I was scouted at one of the showcases by the U18 national team. And that's how I got involved with them. Started going to a couple of camps before I had my citizenship. And then once I got my citizenship, I was able to travel with them abroad as well and compete in tournaments so it was like really ideal for me i had a great group of friends at the time too we had a core group of about eight or nine guys that we played together since we were 13 or 14 years old and i think that's what also helped uh our teams do so
2: well awesome awesome um so i I would like to know as far as you're, you're considered a veteran of the game reaching your late 20s now um what, would you recommend the path you took for fellow players that are looking to make that step as far as um, you know that the big thing here in the states is club soccer versus school soccer versus academy and college um, w- would you recommend going that route or like maybe looking towards college and trying to go that route what what, what do you think works best <sighs> I know that's hard kind to of say a because. Question.
0: So, for me personally, just strictly soccer speaking, I think you're better off playing academy and trying to go pro as early as you can, avoiding the college route. But here in the US, also, I went the pro route early and then I was kind of being overtaken by guys who are getting drafted out of college to these MLS teams. So if you can do really well in college and get drafted to the MLS, um, I think someone who stands out is Jeremy Abobise. I think he's done amazing, you know, and, and not only that, he's also used his voice um, from the MLS to do a lot of good work as well. Uh, but just playing wise, I think he's someone who got drafted while I was in Portland my second year. Um, and that was at a time that I was trying to compete to get, you know, an MLS contract with Portland Timbers. And he had gotten drafted out of college. And if you, you know, see what he's done since then, he's had an amazing career. So it's hard to say, you know, which one is better or best, but just soccer, strictly soccer speaking, I think you have the best chance to improve if you play for an academy and taking it a step further. I think even an MLS academy, because then at least you have that pro team above you that's constantly, you know, scouting their youth. Um, if you can do that and do really well and if you don't have maybe the opportunities to go play college or you're good enough to where you think you don't need to play college, then I think the best route would be to sign after high school, um, yeah. which is what I did and I wouldn't I wouldn't trade that experience or change that for,
2: for college or for any other options. I'd say you made the right choice. I think it worked out pretty well for you. Um, now I'm just going to bring it out there. My my family is from Liverpool. If anybody who's listened to this podcast before and knows, I'm a huge LFC supporter, so I am aware of your uh, your time there. I know you did a, a quick loan though over to uh, Bundesliga uh, two with uh, Fortuna dus- Dusseldorf, but um, how can you just tell us about your experience? Uh, I don't know how much time you spent over there in Liverpool before heading off to Germany, or how any of that went for you. But uh, were were there any memorable moments you you could talk to us about?
0: Yeah, I mean, that's definitely one of the reasons why I wouldn't change the path I took. Um, Liverpool was my last trial out of maybe six over, or, six or seven over a span of probably two years. Um, Liverpool was the last trial I went on. Uh, did great. Had a fantastic trial. Was there for a week. Played a couple friendlies and trained with their U18 team um, and did really well. In all of it. And the last friendly I had was on a Saturday. We played around noon um, and I had a flight, I think like around three o'clock, maybe even a little earlier, but I remember I could play only the first half of that friendly. So I started that game as their preseason. Uh, I started that game, had a hat trick in the first half got subbed out. I had to leave at halftime, was walking over to the locker room to start packing up all my stuff. And my agent was with me, start packing up all my stuff. And he was going to drive me to the airport because I was flying back to the States. And then on my way to the locker room, my agent walks up with Kenny Dalglish, and they're all talking. And yeah, yeah, I mean, absolutely hero. Um, And they're talking. And then my agent says like, Kenny has something he wants to say to you. And he had a very, very heavy accent. Um, I can't even, I wouldn't even try to replicate it. But it essentially he said, you know, you know, we think you're a good player. You showed really well. We think you have some talent. And he just asks it as if it was even like a question to me. But he said, like, is there any way you would consider signing with us? And I'm, you know, in the back of my mind. Is there just, any the way? way <laughs> the way he worded it just made me think like, come on, man. Obviously you don't know my story and where I come from and all that, but uh, like, yes, of, I was just like, yes, yes, of course. Um, Cause it wasn't even a question to me. That's obviously Liverpool's a club. You, you don't say no to, especially you're an 18 year old kid who just graduated high school coming from Fresno, California. Um, so that's definitely the memorable moment when I first r- actually realized my dreams, like I was going to sign a professional contract and I realized this would be the path I would take with my life. So that was kind of everything coming together at once. And a lot of emotions boiled up. I remember going and calling my dad, which I think it was like two o'clock at that time. And maybe 1, 2 a.m. here in the States, 3 a.m. I know he was asleep um, either way, but he woke up and I was just celebrating with him, kind of telling him, hey, they offered me a contract I'm going to sign Uh, And we were all super excited. So that's one huge memory. And then I had a three-year contract there. And the first year and a half, I had to keep going out on loan for work permit issues. Uh, Because I wasn't a first-team player, they couldn't get me like an exceptional person's uh, work visa. Um, So we had to keep applying the normal route. And at the time, there was something with like Bulgarian and Romanian citizenship. They were having uh, trouble getting work permits for the U.K., um, but after that year and a half, like some laws changed, and I was able to get a work permit, and got to stay and train and play
2: uh, with Liverpool for about a year and a half, and it was an amazing experience. That's awesome, man! They should have just put you in the first team ahead of Stuart Dowding, but uh, that's uh, none of my business. <laughs> uh, that, those are your words. Those are your words. I'll agree with them. With those are your I'll, words, I'll, I'll own them.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's an amazing feat to say that you score a hat-trick. I mean, just in a game, right? It's already amazing. And let alone to say that you scored it uh, in the first half is is something else too. So yeah, I, I could see why they were like, yep, we better sign him before uh, he gets uh, snatched by another club around here. So uh, we know you, you spent some time with both national teams, with Bulgaria and the U.S., you played with the under-18s and the under-20s with the U.S. And with Bulgaria, you did some time with the under-21s. I don't know if you could answer this one, but I want to know, what was your pre- preference as far as these national teams went? And also, what kind of a difference in
0: uh, gameplay did you notice with both squads? Um, well, the U.S. national team has a lot more money. It's evident in like the gear we get and the balls we use and the facilities we would train at. Um, So that part obviously was nice. You're more taken care of, Um, the hotels we'd stay in, and the meals we had, and stuff like that. With the Bulgarian national team, I never did any camps. I only went straight for uh, Euro qualifiers. So that was hard, just because I didn't really know the players. It was you just kind of I just show up and kind of try my best to fit in and to play. Which is always kind of difficult to do. Whereas the U.S. national teams, I had been to several camps throughout the years, and got to know pretty much the the player pool and the guys on the team. So that made it a little easier to play with the U.S. national team. But um, playing style, not not a huge huge difference. I would say maybe U.S. more athletic, the Bulgarian national team more technical and tactical, but the u.s national team was i mean top of the line and far as far as like scouting and the coaching staff we had i think it was tab ramos was the coach um towards uh, my the end of my stint with the national team and i think he's still involved with the national team so you know he's he's someone who his reputation speaks for itself he definitely prepared us properly and um had us playing some good soccer
1: oh yeah he's, he's definitely uh uh one of the more uh known players right in the national team especially in the 90s right and and i think he's really well known for being responsible for a lot of players actually making it to the senior national team as well so hats off to him i think he's he's had a really good career and he's really helped uh, develop a lot of uh, players there as well so i think this is the the question that any republic fan is is probably the most interested in right uh how do you end up arriving at the Republic? We know you you came be alone from T2 back in 2017,
0: but how did that connection come about? Um, at the time, Republic were fighting to make the playoffs, and I think they were just looking to bring in maybe players to, to help out with that. Um, Graham Smith was the GM at the time. He had contact, got into contact with me. Um, He knew my situation in Portland. I think at the time I was 24 and I was the oldest player on the Timbers 2 team, which is they use it as kind of a development team and they can get um, players some playing time if they're coming back from injury and stuff like that. And I was looking more to play for either an MLS team or a USL team that's kind of competing for a USL championship. And, uh, speaking with Portland at the time, they didn't, they had no interest to sign me for the MLS team. Um, and I had no reason at that point to stay with T2. I absolutely love my time in Portland and the Timbers organization is fantastic. I think their, their fan turnout kind of speaks for itself as well as how well they've done in the league the past few years. Um, but Sacramento approached me and said, Hey, look, we're going to make a push for the playoffs Portland at the time. I think we were bottom or second from the bottom of the league. So I wanted to keep competing. I wanted to play in the playoffs. I wanted to play for a chance for a championship. Sacramento is also close to home. So I, I agreed to come and play on loan, uh, for the end of that, that first season. And I'm obviously really glad I did because it led to a lot of good memories and a lot of good years in Sacramento.
2: Yeah, definitely. Uh, some of those memories there, uh, those open cup games, how, how was it like, uh, scoring goals against teams like LAFC and the earthquakes back to back years, as a matter of fact.
0: Uh, amazing feeling. I, I love playing against those good teams. I love being the underdog. Um, I think maybe USSL teams, when they play an MLS team, they get kind of taken for granted um, because most places around the world in the domestic cups, when a first division team plays a second division team, it's kind of like, you know, if Barça's is playing a second division team, um, they usually just play their subs or they don't take it as seriously as cause, because they can beat them. And uh, fortunately for us, the two when we played MLS teams, I think we played their starters um, both times of the games you mentioned. So it was super exciting to get to go up against them and show that, you know, the level isn't that much of a difference. And I think uh, just personally speaking, and I'm sure the other guys felt the same, that we wanted to prove that we can play at that level as well. Um, and I was fortunate enough every time uh, we played in those Open Cup games, I was able to rise to the occasion and and show my ability and score some goals.
1: Yeah, those two games. I'll you know I'll always say they, they were really memorable. I got to attend both of them, and I think my my favorite one had to be the L.A.F.C. one. Uh, you know, I know we we get tied, but then you score that really amazing goal. Like literally, it was like the next play, I believe, after they uh, tie us two, and we were in the game. Sadly, of course, we we couldn't hold up the result towards the end, but we you guys really gave a good performance and it really showed right that sacramento really wanted to be an mls and actually had a team like you said competed against starters that can actually give them uh, a good run so that that was uh, definitely a a really good moment and uh, i appreciated that being one of the very few (laughs) republic supporters celebrating uh amongst uh, a lot of lafc fans around there
0: yeah i mean it was a super exciting game i remember and Anytime you play in those MLS stadiums, uh, it's super exciting. And I think that's, for a few years now, uh, Sac Republic has been showing that they, I think they deserve to be in the MLS, not only with the way we played, but also with the fan support, the community outreach, the the work that the front office is doing as well. Kind of a culmination of everything coming together. They've shown that they're ready for MLS.
1: Yeah, and and those LAFC Republic games in MLS I think are are going to be really good both home and away uh, you know both great supporter groups that are really going to be traveling back and forth and it, it, I I'm excited to to see both games and, and do some road trips
0: down to LA. Oh, It's going to become a big rivalry. Oh, I can't yeah. wait for the the nickname that they're going to give it because L.A. L.A. They did El Tráfico now when um, Sac is in MLS they're going to start coming up with creative names for all the rivalries I can't wait to hear them all i5 derby or something <laughs> i5 derby yeah that would be that that wouldn't be bad
1: yeah yeah that, that would be that'd be a good one so let, let's go back to the beginning of the 2020 season you know you, you guys find out that the usR championship was gonna be hopefully temporarily suspended right as we all went into lockdown we're all really sad because we couldn't attend games. What were your thoughts back then when this all happened? And did you ever believe that the season would actually be canceled
0: for good at some point? Um, Well, it was very strange, for sure. Uh, When everything happened, obviously no one's prepared for something like that. No one anticipated anything like that. So it was very strange. Um, We had to kind of just take it a day at a time. There were times when you'd hear whispers that, oh, I don't think they're going to be able to, you know, restart the season. And fiscally, it wouldn't make sense for owners to do it because we couldn't have fans anyways. Um, financially, it would take a toll on the league. So there was definitely talk that the the league might not restart, but um, never anything concrete. Most of the stuff we heard was, oh, they're working to get something set up so we can't restart in. Um, like little bubble-type things the way it ended up being where you would only play regional games and you wouldn't have to travel as much and you'd play the same teams uh, multiple times. So it was definitely strange, hard to deal with, had to adapt and kind of just take things a day at a time because, you know, one day you'd hear one thing and two days later you'd hear, oh, well, the, the league met and they decided this and it was like a completely opposite thing from what you heard two days earlier. So just had to stay on your toes, but definitely a strange time.
2: Yeah, I, I can only imagine trying to play through that. Uh, what, what was it like? I mean, you spent, basically you show up and games are ready to go in March and then suddenly we're stopping and you wait four months before uh, they return to play in July and you didn't get much time to prepare for it. It was kind of a weird semi-preseason preparation, I guess. Um, well, how are you maintaining fitness? I assume it's got to be pretty difficult.
0: Yeah, it was was tough. Um, Luckily, our fitness trainer, Luke, was on top of it. And I wouldn't say he was necessarily prepared for this to happen, but when it happened, he reacted uh, really quickly in getting us all training programs to do on our own and finding ways to make sure we did it and hold ourselves accountable, which was he would set up um, competitions on, I think it was, maybe Tuesdays and Thursdays, two, two days of the week, we would have competitions where we'd have a challenge and guys would have to send in their time. And they split us up into kind of groups of four, four or five. Um, and I had the attacking group. I was with Cam, uh, Belmar, Darick, and EJ, one of the Academy guys. That was my group of four. And a lot of the challenges we had to do were distance running for time Or distance, like you'd run a mile, do twenty push-ups, twenty squats, fifteen alternating lunges. Run a mile, do twenty push-ups, twenty squats, twenty lunges, something like that. And then you'd have to do it as quick as you can because then you'd enter your time. And obviously, you don't want to let your teammates down, and you also don't want to look bad because then Luke would release the the times to everyone, so you'd see who did good, who did bad. Um, and there was actually a time, funny story, uh, Ash um one of the times reported that he had he did a four minute 22nd mile which if like we looked it up and it's it would be impossible that's like olympic olympic times Liar. Like, yeah, thank you <laughs> that's olympic times so this was it became like this whole thing and he defended himself vehemently and everyone was like calling him out on it but he was like no no, no I, did it, I did it i did it and then later it ended up coming out that he didn't do it and his time was like a little bit different and i think I think it was, and I texted him this separately. I think he he might have ran a kilometer, and then done it in four twenty, which is which is still fast, but not like That's impressive. It's nothing, yeah, it's nothing crazy. Um, so I think he might have ran a kilometer and then reported the time. But I remember that during that whole COVID time, that was one little like reprieve where everyone kind of just laughed and got on each other, and as a team, we kind of got closer. But that. Again, doing all that running and those squats and burpees and things like that, it doesn't compare at all to game fitness. It helped us keep like a base level of fitness, but the sharp change of direction, the change of speed that you do in a soccer game, it's, it's really hard to train for that kind of fitness when you're just on your own at a park. So when we got to come together and start doing small group training and finally big group training, I think it, it took a while to get that rhythm going again as well as build the game fitness. So I think the first few games when the season restarted, I would say those few games were like our preseason. We were still able to get some good results, but I don't think we were quite clicking as well as we know we could have. Whereas towards the end of that season or towards the end of that, like mini season, I think we were clicking so much better. Guys were getting way more fit. We had less injuries and our soccer was kind of showing and the pinnacle of that I think was our last game against Portland. We kind of showed everything we were capable of doing and we put all the pieces together. Had the season continued another 16 games, I think we would have continued to have performances like that Portland game.
1: Yeah. And, and, and I, I think you guys would have been first place in group uh, if if we would have had a, a, a full season, definitely too. But yeah, I, I completely get you. like it it must be tough to not be able to practice as a team and you, you can't have that connection with everyone. And of course, we had some new players also on the squad too, right? So it, it's probably really difficult for them, right? To really understand what the gameplay is if, if you're just uh, practicing on your own. So that, that can definitely take a, a toll on teams. So I'm curious, you know, you you guys had to still play, right? You played in this pandemic. There were no fans in the stands. Can you tell us more about what what that was like? Because, you know, you've probably never experienced like playing a game without fans, even if it was just one game. Uh, And also, if you could also tell us like, what what were the protocols like as far as uh, testing went? Like, did you guys get tested like every so often or how was that like?
0: Yeah, so without the fans was, it was strange. It was more like a friendly game just felt like a a friendly game in the beginning. And then after a few games, you you would get used to it. Um, But for me personally, I I thrive when there's fans. I I get a lot of energy from the fans. I love um, interacting with the fans even during the game or halftime and especially after the game. So not having the fans there definitely threw things off a little bit, had to adapt to kind of a different, um approach in terms of how i energize myself and how i pump myself up usually having the fans there chanting it does it all for me so i need to calm myself down even Um, and not having the fans there was kind of the exact opposite i had to do all the pumping up and all the like hoorah getting myself energized and ready to go Um, so it was just again just something you had to adapt to and took a couple games to get used to it and then got we got used to it um the COVID the testing protocols we got tested uh minimum once a week. And then sometimes when we'd have those uh midweek games, we would get tested a couple days before that game. Then we'd get tested the day after the game, so we would be uh in the clear for the weekend game. So it was a lot of testing. I had a lot of swabs up my nose. Oh
2: mm, yeah, uh, yeah. in the I mean, beginning. It was a lot a worse, league, and that's that's brutal. <laughs> Um I I gotta say though, it's it's nice to hear that uh you hear the, the crowd and stuff. I always wonder about that sometimes if I know we're having a blast out there in the battalion. I, I love it. And every time every once in a while I see you guys kind of look over and acknowledge and kind of laugh or hear something funny. So that that's always one of my favorite parts is when uh we get to feel like we're involved. Um but I wouldn't be doing my job if I didn't at least get a couple hardball questions in here with you. Um this season. You scored probably one of the best Republic goals of the season. You were voted MVP by the Indomitable City Soccer uh, blog, SB Nation. Um, what were your overall thoughts on the season? And, of course, why do you think we didn't necessarily get the result we wanted against Phoenix? I mean, besides the obvious hand of God. Um, yeah, man. Why, why do you think it didn't work out the the way we had all hoped?
0: Uh, yeah, I thought I was actually really proud up until obviously that Phoenix game, but I'm really proud of the way the team handled uh, the whole situation with COVID and the shutdowns and everything. I think from, you know, our, our ownership group still sticking with us and staying loyal to its players and handling everything professionally. Um, Ben, the president, the way he led, uh, during those times with, and then Todd and Coach Mark, the way they handled everything, I think I was actually really proud of it. The way the players did all the work, that's probably the not considering soccer fitness, but just my own body fitness. That's the most fit I've ever been, I know, during that COVID time because we were two, three months of just doing daily workouts and really hard workouts. And I know the other guys on the team were doing it as well, and it's not easy to do. Um, so from that point of view, I was really proud how the season went. Um, especially one of our biggest rivals. I think we we beat them twice and tied them twice in Reno, um, who got first in the whole league. I think they had three ties all year and two losses all year, and not counting playoffs. And two of those ties and two of those losses were to us. So I think how we, how we performed and how we played, I think, was actually really good. As far as that Phoenix game, I think the game plan that mark had set up for us worked i think we we executed it really well we were really hard to break down phoenix was getting frustrated they weren't getting their normal chances i think you know however they average x amount of goals per game and it took an overtime handball for them to score even one goal against us Um, i would say the big thing the game changing thing was that we created a couple opportunities and didn't capitalize on them early and in soccer, the one who scores more goals wins. So they happen to score that one goal. We miss two or three chances, and at the end of the day, you lose one zero.
1: Yeah, I mean it was it was a shame, right? And and these things sadly happen, and more so now, especially like since we don't have a VAR in the USL, which is a big shame because they, this would have been a whole different outcome, right? I'm talking straight red card. Like who knows how many games gets uh for for doing that and uh the, these things uh, just happened but you know when that moment happened uh did you see the handball clearly too were you at an angle where you saw it or because i know that shot happens like super quick i mean it's it's kind of hard to blame the ref i guess because it, it it's all just happening so quick and we as the fans are just seeing everything in slow motion and we're able to see it more clearly but being that the play was so quick it was kind of hard. to to see that, but did you guys see that? And if you guys saw that, like did you guys talk to the ref after the game or what what happened uh as far as that
0: went? Um, so I didn't see it at all. To me, I didn't even know it ricocheted. I thought Santi Moore, who shot the ball, scored the goal. Um, I didn't even know it took a deflection off of Asante. So I didn't see it at all. I think uh Jordan and Deckel were kind of more behind it, and I in the video you can see. Jordan kind of touching his hand and going towards the ref to say, I think there was a handball. And if you watch the video, the ref has the whistle in his mouth and he's kind of looking intently at the situation. But like you said, it happens so fast that in live with no replay and no slow motion or anything, it's, it's almost impossible to tell. So from where I was standing more on like the left wing, I couldn't tell at all that um there had been a handball and i didn't know it was a handball until uh todd showed me a video as i was walking to the locker room after the game was already over he showed me the video and kind of zoomed in and i saw that he had actually turned and punched the ball into the goal and i just kind of uh, added salt to the wounds that we lost in such a way that was kind of unfair
1: (laughs) especially if you see the the there was a right actually it was during the game actually Uh, Asante going back to the bench and actually talking to, I believe it was like one of the assistant managers made with the rising. And he was clearly pointing to his hand and and doing the gesture, right? Like, Oh, I I did it this way. And it looked like he was laughing too. And so, yeah, I was like, that, that is, that is really disrespectful. And uh, I'm surprised the league didn't take any action, especially after seeing a player, literally admit in front of a camera right or or not even know maybe the camera was there but still I I thought that was uh that was something else to to see that reaction
0: yeah I didn't see that one live either uh but I did watch the video of it and it's hard man it's hard because sometimes you're told you know do whatever it takes to win not only in sports but also in life you know if you want to succeed you got to do whatever it takes Right. So when you when you do it, so to him, he's probably thinking like, Look, I did whatever it took to get my team, you know, past this round and into the next round of playoffs. And when we're kind of on this end, kind of almost cheated in a sense, since the ref didn't see it, I guess you can't even say cheated because the sport is if nobody sees it, you have to keep playing. But we were kind of cheated. So when we look at it to us, it's like, you know, it's not fair. Couldn't they have done something? You know, maybe let's play out the rest of the game or maybe go to penalties. I don't know. But it's yeah, it's a tough one to take for sure. Um but yeah, it is what it is. It happened.
2: I mean, when it when it happens to your team, you're up in arms and you're frustrated. When it when it works out in the best of your team, you're like, wow, what a smart heads-up play. We really lucked out. Um, yeah, it's unfortunate. Um now I don't know how much information you can give us. I completely understand that, and I respect your, your privacy on, on the matter. But uh, speaking clearly from my end of things, this doesn't really add up to me. You're only 27 years old. You had a great season. Um, maybe you can give us a couple details as to the parting of ways with uh, Republic. It, it just doesn't add up. And I'm speaking personally, Michael, as myself. I don't understand the philosophy behind it. It doesn't really make any sense to me. I'm hoping maybe you can give us and our listeners a little bit of background as much as you're willing to give as much as you're comfortable talking about it uh, into why things have ended with Sacramento Republic and what, what uh, what's going on. Maybe they gave you some sort of insight.
0: Um, uh, let's see. I can say that the decision wasn't mine for sure. Uh, I Love my time in Sacramento, had a great time with everything, had a great relationship with everyone, loved the fan base. Um, You know, my girlfriend had a job there that she was happy with. We were were both very happy in Sacramento. Uh, I definitely wanted to continue playing for the team. So it was definitely hard for me as well that it came time to part ways. Uh, the the decision wasn't my own as far as understanding why it happened. I also don't quite understand why it happened. Um, i I disagree with the decision obviously, but I also am self-aware enough to know that you know these these things do happen in sports. the people who are in charge of making these decisions make them because they feel it's the right decision. um I can disagree with them but At the end of the day, their decision is um, what matters. And I'm, you know, okay with it. I'll have to move on now. I'll end up still want to play soccer. Absolutely love the game and still want to play in the league. So I'll be kind of doing the whole free agency thing and speaking to teams and kind of seeing where I'll land and where would be the best fit for me.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I respect their decision. I get it's a business, but me personally, I'm I'm not a GM. I'm not a head coach. I've never played at that level. But you're you're still got prime years left, and it's not like you had a bad season. I, I thought you did great given the circumstances. Um, I I really hope it works out for you. We'll uh, we'll see what you've got going on in the future. Um, yeah, man, it's unfortunate, but it is a business. I try yeah. to respect. It.
0: Yeah, of course. No, it's a tough one. And yeah, from the, from our point of view, we just got to accept it and move with it and see what's next. And I I don't think I, I will always hope that the door is not closed for me at Sac Republic and that whatever happens, whether this season, next season, in the future that I can always come back and that, you know, we can make it work somehow.
1: Yeah, I, I I agree with uh, Michael too. I was on that on that same side of it too. You know, you were one of my favorite players here too, and all the listeners probably know that too, right? We've had you on the podcast a lot and all that, and and you really did a good job. You had, had a really good season. You're M- MVP, as we mentioned before. You scored a really good goal, and and you just had a lot of good moments this season. And we just couldn't quite understand really what, what went behind that uh, decision too. Uh, of course, like Michael says, we're not GMs. We don't really know what maybe they are trying to plan maybe for, for the future, but I would certainly hope right that like the door is definitely not closed because you've done a lot of great things for the team. And, and so I hope that once we join MLS that they can get you back on the squad. I mean, it'd be amazing for you to retire with the team as well. And, and, you know, I, I think it's one of those things where you'll move on, you'll play for other teams and you, if you keep doing what you have been doing all this whole time, I think they're going to catch on. I mean, they're going to remember you of course, because you, you're a lifelong uh, Republic uh, player, but you know, I, I think it's one of those things where they'll, they'll keep tabs on you on, I'm sure too. And, and I hope that that is what ends up uh, happening too. But at the same time, I do think that you should probably, uh, play for a club that's nearby so that (laughs) they can actually keep even closer tabs on you like i I, i've been saying this we actually uh interviewed uh jordan Farrell, who's technical manager for the oakland roots but you know i was like it'd be kind of cool to see you with that team being that they are uh the usl's newest team and that we would be playing against them and we could easily michael and me go to a a, a match over there and, and all that and yeah road trip to the bay area and so that would be great. Uh, I mean, ultimately, hopefully they, they are listening and they might be listening now that we interviewed Jordan. But I think it would be great. It'd be a natural fit for you, too. It'd be, like, close by. That team has the same mentality as the Republic. Jordan actually used to be with the Republic. You you may have uh, know, known him as well. And so I think it would be great. But I actually wanted to ask you, uh, as far as clubs go, I know you're a free agent, but are you, like, do you have in your plans to continue to play in the States or are you kind of open to possibly even returning overseas, perhaps?
0: Um, I'm definitely open to returning overseas and had a couple conversations with some teams and agents, but my ultimate goal is still to play MLS. So I'm trying to figure out and speak to people and get advice on what would be the best route to take to get to the MLS, um, which is still my goal. I played overseas for a few years, came back. And when coming back from overseas was really hard to break into the MLS, unless you're, you know, playing for a huge league or you're a big team and you're a DP. It's hard because the MLS teams don't always follow those leagues those smaller leagues around the world. Uh, But it's definitely something I'm open to and kind of keep reaching out to teams, see what all my options are. And then at the end of the day, I'll just have to make what I think is the best decision for my future.
2: Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm biased. I I think we get you in contact with King Kenny one more time. Uh, Liverpool players are dropping like flies. We can uh, throw you out there for a few games, let you get your feet wet in the EPL, and then you can come back and join an (laughs) MLS squad.
0: You know, I need, I need to get you guys as my agents. That's what I need to do. Like everything Sizing you guys up, have said, everything in. you guys have said, I love the way it sounds. I'll give you guys even a higher percentage than other agents. That's a starting a new a career, list. Luis. We're yeah. starting a new career. You know
1: what? I think I am I'm, I'm tempted. <laughs> I'm into that too. And and it's it's here recorded. And yeah, I, I think I'm I'm tempted for that. Uh, I was actually gonna say, like, hey, we'll we'll sign you up with my uh, favorite team Cruzul too in Mexico. If you're open to playing in Mexico, like I think we could we could you definitely use more. Uh, players in your position, especially because uh, some of the players that play in, in your same position are potentially leaving at the end of the season. So I think that, that would be... That a works too. How's your, how's your Spanish? Yeah. Muy bien. So.
0: Muy bien. To play for Cruz Azul, my Spanish is muy bien. Perfecto. Good answer. Perfecto. <laughs> yeah, there's a,
1: a, there's a chance there too. Actually, if you were to get an offer in Mexico, would you take it? If if it was say like a, a maybe not a top club, I I really wish it was Udo, Uh but if it was a, maybe a lower club, maybe too, uh, would you would you take that offer? How, how do you feel about that?
0: Obviously, it would depend what other options I had, but yes, like I think it would be crazy to not. Play. I think the Mexico League is it's a great league. I know Roro played there for a while too, and speaking with him, he he absolutely loved it. So I think I would definitely. Play for a team there.
1: Yeah, that that would be awesome. And I think you know they they don't look as much. Well, actually, I should say that they are starting to look more now uh, than they did before. Because they, before they didn't actually look as much to the states or players, but now there's more players that you know are making the trip down there. And for the most part, I think a lot of people from uh, the states have actually had a pretty good run. I've actually you know had, had a a name for themselves, and and we're seeing more and more people born in the u s you know or or grown in the u s like here playing over there, so I mean it would be it'd be cool, so <laughs> a great league. yeah oh yeah it's it's really competitive go crazy
0: for soccer there, so that's that's something I would love it's it's the sport, it's the only sport, it's what everybody watches, they live it, they breathe it, it's all over the streets, it's all over it's on everybody's mind constantly. I think it would be amazing to be in an atmosphere like that in a culture like that. Oh yeah,
1: yeah, it is definitely on everyone's mind. Yeah, w- w- there's definitely a big passionate uh, fan base down there with with any team you can find, and and it would be it would be cool for you to to get a, a chance to to be there as well. So hopefully, o- only time will, will tell. But but like I said, I think whatever you do, you know, we are of course you know wish you the best of luck wherever you you go. But our our bias side, or our, I should say, our bias side here hopes that you you stay nearby so we we can see some uh games against uh, your new team hopefully it's if it's in the usl uh just to to see you more but i really do think you have the potential to be in mls and and i'm sure as you know your agent is working uh, to get you there they're showing those videos those highlights that you had against mls squads like come on like I, i think Showing those two goals that you scored against the LAFC and the Earthquakes and just the performance you had in those two games should be enough for any team in the MLS to sign you. Like, that should be
0: enough in itself. I wish you were an MLS GM. (laughs) And then I show you my videos and you could sign me. Yeah, I mean, I I completely agree. You would think it would be. And I think uh, there's been, it's a cliche. And a lot of times it's maybe not about who you are. It's about who you know and little things like that that get thrown around. So it's about knowing the right people and getting, getting seen by the right people. Also teams have to have a need for my specific talents and my specific position. And so um, a lot goes into it, but I think everything happens for a reason. So if it's meant to be, it'll be, and if not, I'll, I'll keep, you know, grinding and trying to get to the level as high a level as I can reach.
2: That's that's the perfect mindset to have. Like I said, you're you're still young. You still have plenty of uh t- tread on the tires. The uh, right time, right place is going to happen for you.
0: Yeah, exactly. No, I'm really excited because a lot of, you know, my my knowledge and wisdom, however limited it is at my young age, but still it's all kind of coming together along with my talent whereas, you know, when you're younger, you have all the energy and the talent and the skill and the physical attributes, but you don't quite know the ins and outs of the game quite as well. So now that I've been about 10 years, this is now I'm in my 10th year as a professional. I've obviously learned a lot more things and being able to put that together with the talent and the physical attributes, I think is going to help me. And I've, I think I've only gotten better with each year.
1: Yeah. So uh, finally uh, wanted to to say, you know, we we truly appreciate it having you here in Sacramento, like you know you not only represented the team but you were you were an image of the city too right like we saw you doing the community service uh, for the club people knew you well right a lot of fans like uh really got to know you well and i know you you've spoken on going out to eat with fans too and you know really being a a friend to people and that's something really amazing that you you don't always uh talk about about a player but I wanted to ask you, is there anything you want to say to all the supporters out there listening to you right now?
0: Just thank you. I think by far the the most I felt at home out of any club I've played for, for sure. And that's all due to the fans and how they've welcomed me, how they've accepted me, how they've, you know, cheered me on in the team as well and their their support of the team. Is something I admire a lot. And it's a city that I absolutely love. It's a fan base that I absolutely love. And it's been an absolute pleasure to play there. And I'm, I'm hoping it's not a goodbye. It's just to see you later because, you know, I, I care about the city a lot and I care about the people a lot. Um, even along those lines, just to plug my nonprofit real quick um, with VB Passback, I'm working with a nonprofit in Fresno to get bags and balls put together and the nonprofit in Fresno will do it in Fresno. And I want to do mine in Sacramento um, and provide bags and soccer balls that will be customized soccer balls with kind of uh, motivational messages that'll go to kids in underserved areas for Chris as a Christmas gift. So that's kind of a project that I've been working on right now. And um, that's, that's kind of something awesome. I want to give back to that community as well, because I felt so welcome there and loved there and taken care of there so I want to do you know little things like that through soccer um, to kind of give back
2: Yeah definitely that's awesome anything we could do to help definitely let us know we can uh, try to send the message out Yeah we could put I'm going to have a post on social media
0: coming up the HPA Foundation is the one located in Fresno and then mine's VB Passback Foundation um, I'm on Instagram and I have a website bbpassback.com. obviously just get the name get the word out and donations are always welcome and then if you know you can always nominate people who who could maybe benefit from this gift who don't have access to a soccer ball or don't have the means to acquire one and we would get you know a bag and a ball donated to them as a Christmas gift
1: oh yeah that's that's a really nice gesture too and and yeah I think it's it's awesome that you're putting this together and having that inspirational message on the soccer ball, I think is it's going to make someone's like Christmas. I guarantee you it's one of those things that they'll never forget.
0: Yeah, that's kind of, that's, that's what I'm hoping for. I remember as a kid, you know, even going with my parents to get new cleats and just how overjoyed and excited I was, or if I ever got a new soccer ball as a Christmas gift, it was just, um, just meant so much to me. So maybe kids who, who can't, afford a soccer ball or don't have like a quality one. Um, that's why I partnered with this nonprofit to kind of be able to give this to them. And I just know it's going to mean so much to them and they're going to absolutely love it. And um, since teams aren't kind of in session right now, then they'll have their own ball that they can play with in their backyard or at a park with their um, friends or family members or whoever it may be.
1: Awesome. Yeah. Then awesome. That, was, Thanks, that was great. well, Thank you for for joining us here today, Bill. You know, like I said earlier, we wish you the best of luck with your next club. You know, we'll be supporting you, whatever club that might be. And, you know, we hope to have you back on the podcast to establish that segment that we talked about before. And also
0: so you could tell us more about where you're playing now. Thank you guys so much. And thank you. It means so much to, to have your guys' support and to have gotten to know you guys. And to have me on the podcast just means a lot. And I think... Once I sign somewhere and it's kind of out there, we can do like a segment on that too and kind of release the information through the podcast as well. Yeah, that'd be, that'd be amazing. Yeah, thank you guys.
1: Great, well, you stay safe. Uh, if we don't talk to you uh, by
0: the holidays, happy holidays yes, and uh, happy we'll holidays. talk to you soon. Thank you guys so much. Have a great holidays and definitely look forward to being back on the podcast.
1: So we wanted to think again, a billion for being on, you know, it's always uh, amazing to talk to him. And, and as we said, you know, we, we are sad that, you know, he's, he's gone from the Republic, but I have hopes, uh, Michael, that we are going to see him back in Sacramento one day. And, and as I said, you know, hopefully we get to see him next year as an opponent I think That'd be kind of interesting as well. And, but, you know, we'll see, like I said, only, only time will tell. Definitely.
2: Yeah, for sure. I'm I'm excited to see what his career holds. As I was saying earlier, he's he's still relatively young. He's he's got quite a bit of time left before he needs to hang up the boots. I think he'll he'll find a team. I think it's going to work out for him.
1: Yeah, he's in his prime, and I know he he wants to make it to MLS, and I, I, he he has to make it to MLS. I just I, I don't understand. We've seen other players in MLS that have been quite questionable, <laughs> and they still uh, make it, but. At the same time, it is kind of like how we said, right? In the world of professional soccer, it really is all about who you know. Uh, and I know all about that in Mexico. It is really all about who you know and and all that. And it's a shame because I say there's a lot of uh, hidden gems out there that never make it to the professional world, even though they should make it. And vice versa, there's other players out there that are uh, kind of questionable. Maybe they shouldn't have been <laughs> players, and they still make it somehow but but yeah i think in this case i, I really hope a team in the mls picks him up and he uh, makes a long career out of that team in the mls and if he doesn't come back to sacramento well uh, hopefully at least we get to see him in the mls play against us that would be quite amazing to see a player that passed through your team now in mls and now playing against your team in mls i think that it would be uh, something else on a, and a bittersweet game for him. But nevertheless, it'd be kind of cool to see him back in Sacramento in the MLS, even if it wasn't uh, with the Republic, but we will see. So we have some uh, latest news updates. That's of course, as of this podcast recording, uh, if you're listening a couple of months from now, this might be old news, but for those listening uh, within a week, two weeks, this is a uh, new stuff that has been uh, coming along this week well first off uh, michael it's something we had already heard of but now they've uh, spoken more about it our legendary high scorer cameron the is coming back in 2021 and from the looks of it he's coming back possibly in a starting role or you know uh, not not so quite much in the role that maybe we imagined a couple of weeks back if you know the whole contract situation was uh, what was going on. It seems like the team is really rallying for him. And it seems like we are definitely going to see uh, a similar Cameron. I think that we saw in the past years, hopefully also in, in gameplay because he, he really contributed a lot to the team, but what are your thoughts on Cameron returning back in 2021?
2: Yeah, I'm excited. Um, I, I, I love watching the play. I hope he gets back to uh, his form that I know he can be on. Uh, it looks like the team, I mean, they made a big deal of bringing him back. There was the social media posts and things of that nature. So I'm, I'm all for it. Let's let's see what happens. Uh, if he starts, he starts. If he needs to earn his way back into starting, then so be it. Um, I know last season wasn't his, his finest moments, but I think I think he's done enough to at least earn a, a second chance at trying to go back to the, the Cameron Owasa that we all remember.
1: Yeah, I I think you know that I mean we of course know this past season was really weird. It was quite uh, unlike any other season, and and as I've said before, like it it could take a toll on anyone's mental health, as we all know. And I, I think that could have been happening in this case too. Is that you have all these things going on, like you have a really unusual preseason. That I'm glad that the team decided to give him another opportunity, and he's already proven himself, and so. It's good. I think we're going to look back and I think there's going to be a good moment and that the team did a good decision and deciding to not look at him so much those last couple of games and wanting to give him another opportunity. And I think as far as Cameron goes as well, I think it's good for him too. I think he really appreciates that and he really uh, is glad, right, to continue to be in his hometown team and continue to, you know, hopefully prove himself and make it to the MLS squad. And from there on, right. Like just, uh, be able to, to forever be in the history books, right. As a legendary player, not just in USL, but also in uh, the MLS team as well. So I hope that happens because he, he's deserved it. He's really proud of his uh, hometown and he makes us all really proud because he, he is, uh, he's literally a homegrown player for us. I mean, USL doesn't have that, but he's basically our, our, uh, biggest homegrown player that, that we've had in our history, really. So the next uh, news that we actually just found out about just uh, two days ago, I believe here, uh, is uh, Rafael Jaregui, who uh, we all know as is, is being the youngest player to ever debut with the Republic. We saw him the season, 15-year-old. It was amazing. We, we all kind of had flashbacks to our own high school days as a 15-year-old. And I know myself, I was just, playing casually during lunch and would never imagine that anybody my age would ever be playing professionally but the sport is growing we're seeing more and more younger players given this opportunity and this opportunity came from him right now he has a official professional signed contract and we'll be seeing him uh more for the upcoming years and why not mls too i feel like that should be the game plan have him be in that mls squad what are your thoughts
2: yeah, I think this is the type of player that they're looking to bring up with the MLS team. I mean, he I think he just turned 16. He just spent an entire season with the first team uh, on a USL Academy contract. This this is the type of thing it looks like the Republic is leaning towards doing. And for uh, Rafael to get to sign that contract, I know his mom was excited. I saw her posting about it all over the place. Congratulations to uh, Rafael and his family. That's, that's amazing. Um, he's the third product to make it to the pros on the first team. So the the academy's looking strong, looking good. And he he looks like he has a promising career coming up.
1: Yeah, definitely, especially if you start with a professional team at 15, right? Like that. That's always really impressive. I I, I always uh, find that um just so amazing to to have that and it's really amazing also that he's from the Sacramento area as we all know and so You know, it's definitely a big inspiration to all the players that are out there playing for the academies there in the area, knowing that, hey, you could potentially make it pro and, and, you know, you don't need to be 17, 18 to make it there. You could probably be younger and think of how much experience this gives you, right? As As a soccer player, starting at an early age, you got a long future ahead of you. If you do things right, he might potentially make the jump to MLS. Again, hopefully it's with the Republic, staying with the Republic, but it could be with another team. And then from there on, who knows what what the future holds? But if you start young, man, your career is that much longer, of course, right? Because you you are obviously starting at a younger age. So congratulations to him. It's it's amazing that he has this opportunity, and you know we look forward to seeing him participate in uh, more games next season. So our last uh, bit of news, actually, this just came in today, earlier today. We found out that Carlton Belmore has renewed with the Republic. I know uh, a couple of weeks back, they they said they were still negotiating with him and with uh, Formella. We don't know anything about Formella yet, but we do know here that Belmore is returning to the squad. I'm particularly excited for this one as well because... Belmar, I think we didn't get the chance to see him that much, unfortunately, this uh, past season, but the little that we did see of him, he showed like he had a really good ability and he could really benefit this team so much more if he starts in the starting 11 more often as well, of course. And I think he's going to have more opportunities this upcoming season. And uh, I'm glad that they decided to renew him uh, rather than sign another player and take the gamble if they're actually good or not for the team what are your thoughts
2: yeah i'm i'm excited i think anybody coming in to a team during a covid short season has kind of a rough end of the stick but i'm this 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 guy can play man he's a 2015 usl rookie of the year he's five years in and he looks good um even the the little amount of time that i saw him in the games he uh he looked decent enough, even off the ball. I'm excited to see what he can do with a full preseason, a full training camp, and a full USL season. I think he could he could make some waves.
1: Yeah, especially because he showed that in previous clubs, right? We saw him uh, previously have that right with T2 with Timbers. That's what comes to mind right away too. He was with Nashville as well, so you know the, the those times he had there and those highlights we saw from him. Definitely showed us that that there's a lot of promising uh, development that he could do in in Sacramento and and grow his his game here as well. So if you all aren't following us on social media yet, hey, please give us a, a follow. You can find us on all the three major platforms. If you go on Facebook, you can search State of the Republic Podcast. You can find us there. We also have a Facebook group, Sacramento Soccer Fans. Please, we invite you to join. As I always like to say, whether you're from Sacramento or not, we welcome any soccer fan to come by and check it out and share anything you have uh, soccer-related with the community there. Also, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram. Our handle for both is at StateRepublic12. So please give us a follow there, uh, interact with us, comment on anything we post too, if there's anything you want to add, if there's maybe a future person in the world of soccer that you would like for us to interview if they're you know from the sacramento area or in general anyone in the central valley that has a story to tell soccer wise please let us know as you all know our podcast is about the republic but also about anything soccer related in the central valley and you all have heard some of our past interviews that we've had please listen to them if you haven't heard them yet they're really interesting you really get a lot of insights to the, the world of Central Valley soccer and what's uh, been going on. And we do have a, a lot more in the works uh, for you all as well. So please uh, feel free to leave us a comment if, if there's any story out there that you believe we should highlight next. Also, wanted to give you guys a preview of our next interview that we will be doing. It's going to be with someone who, let's just say I just got their jersey in the mystery box. and. If you guys are following me on social media, you'll know what player I'm talking about. It's kind of funny. It worked out perfectly in that we had been talking about doing an interview on the podcast. And then when I look at my mystery box, I end up getting his jersey. So all worked out really well. So you definitely don't want to miss that as we talk about that uh, experience of me having this game worn jersey and and the fact that he will be signing it here uh, shortly too as well so that that was uh something quite quite funny too i feel like the the team must have been uh, listening to us before or maybe looking at my messages that they were like yeah let's give him this jersey because he's been talking to him about being on the podcast <laughs> is there any last thing you want to add michael before we close it out
2: I, I think that sums it up um i appreciate uh bjf obviously that was that was a great interview. I, he's always a good time uh, we appreciate the support that we've been getting. A lot of new followers. It's uh, it's fun, man. Fun things are coming. We've got some big plans coming. Gonna hit on another Fresno boy uh, interview, and we'll go from there.
1: Yeah, th- definitely. Yeah, th- thank you so much to everyone who has supported us here on our still relatively new uh, podcast. I mean, this is barely episode nine, and so you know we're still. Uh, uh adding episodes but we definitely do uh, see that we've grown in listeners uh, as the days go by and and as i always say you know we i speak on behalf of michael i'm sure as well here but we really appreciate you all listening to us and again we're gonna have more interviews so be on the lookout we're probably gonna be posting twice a week different interviews so please check all those out like again they are really interesting interviews and and A lot of interesting stories out there that need to be told in the world of soccer in in the Central Valley. So, With that being said, uh, thank you everyone again for listening to us tonight. Have a great day. Stay safe and uh, we'll see you next time.
2: Have a good night.